Chapter Sixteen of Audrey Craven by May Sinclair. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine. Chapter Sixteen. There was no sleep for Ted that night. Towards morning he fell into a doze, broken by unpleasant dreams, and woke with a confused consciousness of trouble. It had been connected in his dreams with Hardy's return, and once awake, the knowledge that he was in the same house with him was insupportable not that he had yet guessed how vincent stood to audrey he had simply a nervous dread of hearing him talk about her the casual utterance of her name went through him like a sword and in his present mood vincent's boisterous spirit disturbed and irritated him more to get away from him than with any definite idea of work he spent his morning at the national gallery touching up the copy of the botticelli madonna which catherine had begun long ago for audrey he had set to work almost mechanically with the sense that whatever he did at the present moment was only provisional only a staving off of the intolerable future but soon the technical difficulties of his task absorbed him and he became interested in spite of himself he was so passive to the spiritual influences of line and colour that perhaps the beauty of the grey-eyed girl madonna may have given him something of its own tranquillity unfortunately the good effects of his morning's industry were undone when he got home by finding hardy alone in the studio sitting before audrey's portrait he had dragged the easel to the light and had been studying the canvas for some minutes before ted came in the boy stifled an angry exclamation ted said hardy what do you want for this picture i don't want anything for it nonsense every good picture has its price this one hasn't anyway look here and don't be a young fool this is the best thing you've done in your life or ever will do i'm in rather low water at present but wait till i've heard from my british columbian agent or better still wait till the pioneer book comes out and i'll give you a hundred for it honour bright if you'll let me have it at once i can't let you have it at once and i won't let you have it at all the deuce you won't come fix your own price i'm not a swindling dealer and i'm not a liar though you mightn't think it i told you i wasn't going to let you have it at any price hm do you mind telling me one thing are you going to sell it to anyone else i'm not going to sell it to anyone i'm going to keep it myself they looked at each other with steady eyes each understanding and each defying the other's thought hardy's face was the first to soften he put his hand on ted's shoulders all right old boy we've hit each other hard this time the least we can do is to hold our tongues about it and he left him hardy spoke with the magnanimity of imperfect comprehension he had been defeated in his purpose of buying audrey's portrait but however great his discomfiture he being the successful lover could afford a little pity for ted as the victim of a hopeless passion to ted on the other hand the revelation of hardy's feelings threw light on audrey's conduct it accounted for everything that was most inexplicable in it it must have been the news of hardy's return that made her break off her engagement so suddenly his instinct told him that she had probably given her word to her cousin before he left england jealousy suggested that she had cared for him all the time he tried to reason it out but stopped short of the obvious conclusion that if these things were altogether as he supposed her engagement to himself must have been merely an amusement hit upon by audrey to fill up a dull interval he preferred to regard it as a mystery and now all reasoning gave way before the desire to see her again and know the truth from herself once for all to audrey as the fountain of truth he accordingly went 
choosing a time between half-past two and three when she was most likely to be in as he reached her door it was being held open for her to go out and she was standing in the outer hall buttoning her gloves she drew back when she saw ted but escape was impossible he saw the movement and the flash of her little white teeth as she bit her lip with annoyance she came forward smiling oh is it you ted as you see i'm just going out you will see me before you go i can't possibly i've got to go and call on an uncle and aunt at the hotel metropole i'm very sorry but i won't keep you more than ten minutes i can't spare ten minutes i'm late as it is and i have to be back by half-past three i've got an appointment you've not time to get there and back you'd better put it off i can't ted they're only up from friday till monday dean craven has to preach at the abbey tomorrow. come again i can't come again well then she hesitated you may walk part of the way with me he went with her down the short flagged path that led to the gate once out of the servant's hearing he stopped and looked firmly in her face i must see you now and it had better be in the house i've only one question to ask you five minutes will be enough for that at least it won't be my fault if it isn't she had laid her hand on the gate which ted held shut and her mouth was obstinately set something in his voice conquered her self-will she turned and led the way to the house you had better come into the morning-room he followed her she closed the door and they stood facing each other a moment without speaking well ted her voice went to his heart with its piercing sweetness audrey why did you write that letter because it was easier to write what i did than to say it do you want to hold me to my word no i want to know your reasons for breaking it you haven't given me any yet i did ted i told you it had all been a mistake yours and mine speak for yourself where was my mistake the mistake was in our ever getting engaged at all in our thinking that we cared for each other i cared enough for you didn't i no you didn't you only thought you did Catherine told me what did Catherine tell you that you hadn't any feelings that you really cared for nothing but your painting that you'd only a rudimentary heart really that is interesting when did she tell you that the very day we were engaged and you believed her not then i did afterwards how long afterwards the other day yes i think so i see when you wanted to believe it not before she was trembling but she gathered together all her feeble forces for the defence no no don't you remember at the very first the day of our engagement we were both so miserable at the idea of your going away we did it all so recklessly before either of us thought you see ted you were so very young it's a pity that didn't strike you before it did it did but i wouldn't think of it i blinded myself the fact is we were both as mad as hatters you know people can't get married in that state we should have had to wait for a, a a lucid interval ted recognized a miserable pleasantry it was what he had said to her himself a day or two after their engagement the phrase had amused audrey at the time and lodged in her memory she borrowed it now in her hour of need and laughed unconscious of her plagiarism i understand perfectly you want to get rid of me as a proof of your own sanity is that it she looked up in the utmost surprise not to get rid of you ted of course not i shall still keep you as my best friend thanks you had better not try to do that i'm told i've no talent for friendship then i suppose after this you'd rather i cut you if we meet you can please yourself about that 
you may be sure i shall oh ted i didn't expect that from you but it's quite right hit hard i can't defend myself please don't attempt it there's no occasion to only tell me one thing well she sat down as if wearied with this unnecessary trifling he paused it's evident that you don't care about me do you care for anyone else you've no right to ask me that haven't i i thought i had and if you'll only think a minute you'll agree with me she put her head on one side as if gravely considering the question no you've no right to ask me that let me put it differently since your feelings are sacred you needn't tell me anything about them were you engaged to hardy before you knew me that question is even more impertinent than the last i beg your pardon then don't answer it if you don't like to he turned away don't go yet ted i haven't done listen i was thoughtless i was mistaken audrey was anxious to escape the imputation of a big fault by the graceful confession of a little one but i'm not as bad as you think me you think i cared for vincent i didn't i never cared a straw about him never you were the first was i not the last though it seems perhaps not but i deceived myself before i deceived you well you took me in completely if it's any satisfaction to you never mind audrey you've done your best to remedy that now he had turned and his hand was on the door to go when he heard her calling him back softly ted she had followed him to the door he felt the touch of her little gloved hand on his coat sleeve under the black meshes of her veil he saw her eyes shining with tears that could not fall he hesitated forgive me she whispered not till you have answered my question which question ted the impertinent one about vincent yes her eyes had been fixed on the ground now they glanced up quickly did vincent tell you i was engaged to him no her eyelids drooped again then urged to desperation by her own cowardice she raised them and looked in his face to answer and as she looked she saw for the first time how changed it was its bloom was gone the lines were set and hard ted looked years older than his age don't believe him if he ever says so i am not engaged to him and i never was thanks that was all i wanted to know he turned on his heel and left her he knew that she had lied he left her in a state of vague consternation she had been prepared for an outburst of feeling on ted's part in which case she would have remained mistress of the field without loss of dignity as it had happened the victory was certainly not with her this was contrary to all her expectations she had looked for protestations emotions in short a scene but not for cold dispassionate cross-examination it was so unlike ted ted who was always giving himself away it was more the sort of thing she could have fancied wyndham saying under the same circumstances she had seen something of this impersonal manner once or twice before in those rare moments when they had discussed some picture or ted had talked to her about his work or catherine's it had annoyed her then she thought it showed a want of enthusiasm now the boy's heartless self-possession amazed and overpowered her audrey was incapable of imagining what she had not seen and she had never got to the bottom of the haviland character never divined its gravity under the mask of frivolity never proved its will nor reckoned with its pride three days ago she would have laughed at the idea of referring any moral question to ted's judgment for she had taken no pains to hide her faults from him she had been selfish reckless vain capricious by turns and altogether and it had made no difference then 
now she felt that he had condemned her to be sure she had told him a lie but what was that in the catalogue of her offences it was everything he could have forgiven anything but that end of chapter sixteen recording by expatriate in bangor maine